The following podcast is going to contain spoilers, like huge, huge spoilers, because I'm going to reveal who the turtle is in TMNT's Last Ronin. Now, you may already know who it is. I think most people do, but I didn't know until I just read the book. Of course, I'm usually the last one to find out about things, but still, I am going to reveal that to you if you don't already know. I want to shout it out right now. I just want to shout it out but I'm not gonna. I'm gonna wait. I'm not sure why I'm gonna wait. I guess just because that's how we do these kinds of things, right? Anyway, proceed at your own risk. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, Steven, and I've got a newer issue to talk about this time, folks. I don't normally talk about a lot of new issues because I don't buy new comics. Really, every once in a while, I will take what the lovely people over on my Patreon throw my way because I don't know. I don't know why they give me money. They just do. And I'm not going to stop them. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to uh, dissuade them from doing so. But every once in a while, I like to take a little bit of that money and buy a new comic every now and then. This one I did not buy when it was new. I wanted to, but the frickin' thing was over $8 for one issue. Granted, it's 46 pages, but I just, I just, I just didn't feel right spending over $8 for an issue of a comic that I can probably end up reading for free through Hoopla. And that's just what I did. I got it through Hoopla. If there was music I could play here, I would. Music. But of course, I'm talking about. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, issue number one. If you weren't aware of that, you did not look at the title of the episode at all. This came out on October 28th, 2020. Not too long ago. It didn't take them too long to get it over there onto the hoopla. But I was really excited when I saw it pop up because it is a book I've been wanting to read, but again, didn't want to spend the big bucks to read it. I am kind of a fair weather Turtles fan. I did buy some of the books back in the 80s when they were coming out. I never, I was not one of these folks that jumped on board once the first issue came out. I I didn't discover them until, I don't know, I don't know how far into the run it was. But I know that I had heard of the Turtles long before the cartoon and the movies. And I was picking up, a lot of the books that I would pick up back in the day were the tales of the TMNT, which seemed to be a lot more fun. They had other artists and other creators working on the stories, and they were a bit more, um, I don't want to say mature, because that always makes you think of mature, wink, wink. But they were they were a little more grown up. But this one, the, the big thing, the two big things about this book that has caused a lot of anticipation is, is, first, the biggest thing about it is that it brings Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, the creators of TMNT, it brings them back for the first time on this story. And in fact, the way I understand it, this was a story that they had written back in the day when they were originally doing the Turtles, or at least they had outlined this idea and had just never really gone forward with it. And now they're back to do just that with the help of Tom Waltz. So this is, the story is by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz. The script is by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman. Kevin Eastman is providing the layouts, and then the pencils and inks are by Esau and Isaac Escorza, but there is one page, page 39, in fact, in which the art is done by a guy named Ben Bishop. So really going into this story, everybody kind of knew two things. One, 
this is a future story. This is set at some point in the future and that there is only one of the four turtles remaining. The other three have died somehow. We don't know how at this point. We don't learn that at all in this first issue, how they died. We just know that they are dead. And the last one alive is on basically a, a revenge mission. That's what it feels like. He's he's going to take revenge. He's exacting revenge over the death of his brothers. What we don't know when this story starts is who the turtle is. And it's it's really quite weird because I seem to recall when I first heard about this issue, I feel like I read somewhere that it was revealed who the turtle was. And so I went into this thinking it was a certain turtle. And then I get to the end and I'm really confused because it's not who I thought it was. And I was fairly certain it was this particular turtle because somebody told me or I read it. And so the entire issue, I'm reading it as if, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that when we get to the end. But like I said, we are in a future Manhattan. This turtle, the last one alive, we'll just call him Ronan. He, uh, he's breaking into Manhattan because Manhattan has been walled off. They, they give you a double page spread of what Manhattan looks like in the future. And it's got a big wall around it. And then somewhere smack dab in the center is this giant building. It's almost like a, a, a Japanese temple of some sort that just rises up out of this, out of the, out of the rest of the buildings. And it, it, it just towers over them all. And so our turtle is trying to break into Manhattan, but first he has to swim across the river, which is full of an ice cold sludge, which is toxic. I don't know if it affects him in any way. We don't see that in this issue. I don't know if at some point, maybe in this run, I think it's either a four or a six issue run. I don't know if that's going to come back at some point, but maybe because he's already a mutant, the sludge doesn't really, uh, affect him in any way, but he seems to find it quite disgusting. But the whole story here is him. He breaks into Manhattan. He needs to get to the, to the top, top of this building, this big, uh, Japanese temple looking skyscraper thing that's in the middle. It's like a giant castle, almost uh fortress as it were. And he's, he needs to get there. That's where he's going to exact his revenge. And at one point, he steals a motorcycle because as he's sneaking into the city, he's not being very stealthy. He he kind of is at first when he when he's climbing the walls, he uses some throwing stars to take out the cameras. But once he's in the city, it's like at some point he just gives up on the idea of stealth and just makes a beeline to where he needs to be. The whole time he is talking to his brothers. We see them every once in a while in the background. They're kind of grayed out. We know that they're they're dead because they tell us that in the description of the book. So they're not trying to fool us into thinking that for some reason he's doing all the work while the other three are just kind of behind him without weapons, just giving him crap. But he's talking to them. They're talking to him. We, uh, we're going to assume at this point that these are just memories. Maybe he's just, you know, the, the, the memories and the thoughts of his brothers that he has just held in his mind and... It, it, it's what keeps him going. Um, I've also heard folks uh, say that these might be the spirits of the three other turtles, but I don't know. They don't, they don't really tell us. There, there is kind of a moment at one point that maybe kind of alludes to the fact that they might be spirits, but, but they don't tell us one way or another. But once he sets out on his path, once he gets over the wall and he needs to get to this fortress... It feels kind of obvious that maybe he hasn't been in Manhattan for, for quite a long time because he appears to be a bit surprised over the amount of people that are crowding the streets. 
And I think it's at that point, that's when he just decides there, there's no point in trying to sneak around. And so he, he steals a motorcycle. There's a, a row of motorcycles outside on the street in front of a bar. And they're very futuristic looking. One even looks like a green version of Canada's bike from Akira. And uh, he steals this bike and he takes off. And then some folks come out of the bar. It's a, a group of people. And one of them says, hey, Jones, look, it looks like somebody stole your bike. And he's referring to a woman. There's a woman there with him named Jones. And I guess we're, we're being led to believe that this might be a descendant, maybe the daughter of Casey Jones. Again, they don't tell us. They, they're hinting at that. I mean, they don't, they don't lay it on real thick, but her name is Jones. Not that that's an uncommon name, but still, you're going to call somebody Jones in one of these stories for TMNT. You're doing that on purpose. So at one point he's on this bike and he needs to get up to this building and it's there's a there's a fence around it and he comes up with what I think is a fairly ridiculous plan. He jumps the bike over the fence into like an oil tanker which explodes and the percussive blast of the of the explosion pushes him up into the air onto the building. And again, I find that ridiculous. Anybody that's going to go, let's see, I need to get up there. That's very high. And I think the best way to do that is to cause an explosion beneath me, because obviously an explosion is not going to hurt me. It's just going to push me forward. That's what explosions do. There's never shrapnel or fire or anything like that in an explosion that might rip me into shreds. So I think that's what I'm going to try. And because it's a comic book, and because he's a mutant ninja turtle, it is successful. And he gets up onto this building. And he what he, what ends up happening is as he climbs up higher, he finds that he is under a manhole cover. And kind of like any futuristic city, we find that the people on the ground are poor. And the higher up you go, higher up in the sky, up the buildings, there's there's different levels to the city. And each level you get to the people are are a little bit more prosperous. And of course, the people at the top are the richest. And so he's kind of going through these levels of the city. But once he gets to that off of the ground floor up to the next level, where people are already obviously much more well off than the people below them, that's when he's really noticed. And security guards come after him. But these are more, these are like robots. And he spends the rest of the issue basically ascending through the city and fighting these robots. And the further he goes, the, I guess, the more state-of-the-art, the more dangerous, the more powerful these robots become. We learn eventually that these are basically robot versions of the Foot Clan. And they do have human components to them. It, see, it, what, at one point, the like one of the first ones he destroys, the he, he cuts its head off, and it's obviously a robot head. But the mask cracks open and there is a uh, part of a human face underneath it. So that was kind of weird. But this guy, this turtle, he's like a one-man freaking wrecking crew. He just he just keeps encountering more and more of these robots and he's just taking them out. And he looks he looks pretty cool. He um they're really going to to great lengths to not show you which turtle this is. And by that I mean if you've ever read any of the comic books, you know that really they all look exactly the same. The only way you can tell them apart is when the book is in color, they they will often give them different colored masks. Otherwise, you tell them apart by the weapons that they have. Well, in this issue, he's he's wearing like a he's he's hooded, his mask is black, and he has all of their weapons. 
And we eventually learn as he's ascending through the city that his ultimate goal is a guy named Oroku Hiroto, who is the grandson of the Shredder. Now, they make mention that he is the the son of, of a woman I've never heard of before. Again, I haven't read a lot of the Turtles comics. I, I read, I feel like I read a lot back in the 80s and maybe the early 90s, but not enough to know who this lady is, whoever this guy's mom is. But as he gets closer and closer to this guy, th- this guy learns that there's somebody out there coming for him and he's sending more and more of these robots and he's telling them that lethal force is authorized and he is obviously the the he at least is the he's in charge of manhattan at the least we don't know how far his empire stretches but he uh at the very least is the guy in charge of manhattan he's the guy that's living at the top of this fortress and for some reason he's living with a bunch of crows that's kind of weird he's just a lot of he spends a lot of time in this room with these freaking crows flying around and I don't think a lot of people put a lot of thought into stuff like that when they when they write scenes like that. It's like, hey, this will be cool. We'll put him in a room with a bunch of birds flying around around him, and they're just loose, and they're just all fierce and flying around, and they're pooping all over everything. They don't, of course, mention that in the book, but you know they are. You can't have birds flying around in a big room and just not be pooping all over stuff because that's what birds do. If you've ever been to the zoo, if you've ever been to one of those rooms that they have in the zoo, most zoos have like these tropical rainforest type rooms that have birds just flying around. They're pooping on stuff. And if you go in there, you're taking the risk of having a bird poop on you. And yet this guy who is a very powerful man, who obviously has a lot of money and who obviously has a lot of really nice things around him, very technologically advanced kind of stuff apparently has no problem hanging out in a in a room that birds are pooping all over stuff in. You got to read between the lines to 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 see that kind of stuff. But at one point he sends, I don't remember the exact phrase he uses, but Stockman technology, I believe I if I remember correctly there was a guy in some of the original stories, I think his name was Baxter Stockman. He's the guy that created the Mouser robots that the turtles fought and these are updated versions of those robots and this this turtle just he just goes through all these robots like they're freaking butter and again the further along he goes the tougher these robots are and he he eventually reaches the point where he's up against these two robots that he refers to as elite ninja and he actually goes up against these two robots before the before the bad guy sends out the Stockman tech against him because that's, that ends up being his, his, the one thing that stops him because he, he gets through all these robot ninjas, all the, all the robot foot clan soldiers and these robot mousers come after him. And there, there's, there's small ones that he takes out with these EMP charges, but then there's a large one that, that is, is about his size. And as they're fighting, they both go crashing out this window that's way up on the top floor and he falls to the ground and he is he's very injured at this point he can't really go on and he ends up just kind of staggering away he goes down into the sewers to escape we see this girl jones again whose motorcycle he stole she sees where he goes off to but she lies to the cops or the foot soldiers or whoever they are and she sends him off towards central park where he went the opposite direction and so he goes down in the sewers and at one point he starts taking off his outfit 
and he lays out all the weapons in front of him and he's he he's he's reflecting upon the failure of his mission and he's feeling very guilty about it and he takes Leonardo, one of Leonardo's katanas which is broken and he lays out all four of their masks and he's about to commit suicide when he passes out as he's passing out this girl Jones barges in she sees him pass out she freaks out because it's a mutant freaking turtle and then we get a scene where he wakes up in this bed and he's back at their old lair under the city in the sewer his brothers are there with him he doesn't understand what's going on why they're back why he's there with them and then he's suddenly brought back he's he's woken from this dream of like a uh, it's it's like he's gone to heaven and he's back with his brothers, but then he's pulled out of it by a voice who says, thank God you're up. And he wakes up and there sitting at his bedside is April O'Neil. She's much older. She's probably in her 60s, late 60s at this point. And this is where the big reveal comes in because she said, I am so relieved to see you're awake. You really had me worried, mister. But who were you just talking to, Michelangelo? So this whole time, because again, I thought, this turtle was somebody else. I swear that I read or somebody told me that this was Raphael, that Leonardo, Donatello, and Michelangelo die, and Raphael takes up all their weapons, and he goes off on a revenge mission to get vengeance for their murders. And maybe that was the original plan, and maybe that's how that information came out. And so I get to this point, and she says, Michelangelo, and at first I read it wrong. I thought she was saying, who are you talking to? Are you talking to Michelangelo? So I'm confused at first because I thought there was only one of them alive. Why would Raphael be talking to Michelangelo or why would she just pick that particular one out? And then that kind of hit me and it's like, oh no, this is Michelangelo. It's been Michelangelo the whole time. And it totally made me see the story in a completely different way. And I, I really need to go back and reread it because Again, the whole time I'm I'm reading it, most people read it. They didn't know who it was going into it. And so they're reading it, not knowing who it is. I'm reading it the whole time, just knowing in my heart of hearts that it's Raphael, because I feel like that was part of the description even at one point. I had to stop and put it down and look at the description of the book. And it doesn't tell you in the description who it is. Matter of fact, I'll read you the description. This will be a five issue series. But it says, in a future New York City far different than the one we know today, a lone surviving turtle goes on a seemingly hopeless mission to obtain justice for his fallen family and friends. So really, they don't even straight up tell you that the three brothers are dead. But I think everybody kind of knew that because that's, that's how everybody has been describing the story before it came out. But it was really good. It was a good opening issue. I'm interested to see where it goes from here. If they have issue number one on Hoopla, they're going to have the other issues on Hoopla as well. So I'll just have to make sure and use one of my borrows every month to continue to read this story. Because from what I understand, issue number two is going to tell us how his brothers died. He um, he also mentions his father, which is going to be Splinter. And they allude to the fact that Oroku Hiroto is the guy that killed his brothers. He, when he realizes, when he sees security footage of this guy that's coming at him, he sees that it's a turtle and he's quite shocked because he's expected them all to be dead. And to, to see one that's surviving, he's he's quite shocked by that. It's, it's very unexpected to him. So that's why, of course, Michelangelo is going after him. And it, I think it's also kind of neat that they made it Michelangelo because he was always the... 
I mean, in, in the end, he was always, although they're all the same age, it's like he was the kid. He was the 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 carefree one. He was the one that just wanted to have fun. He was always lighthearted and joking. You know, you expect something like this from Raphael, for example, or even Leonardo and possibly even Donatello, but Michelangelo to have turned into this hard warrior as he's aged and, uh, you know, on this path of revenge. It's just, I think it's, I think it's much more interesting. And I wish I, I, whoever told me that it was fricking Raphael, I wish they hadn't. Wherever I found that, wherever I saw that, I wish I hadn't because I probably would have enjoyed this much more had I not been reading the thing secure in the knowledge that this was Raphael the whole time. Because I think that reveal at the end, instead of being confusing, it would have been much more of a of a shocking reveal. But you can't turn back the clock. There's nothing I can do about that. So I just have to keep enjoying the story going forward. Now, like I said, I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it enough that I want to buy the second one just so I can read the second issue as soon as possible. I'm not going to buy these issues. They're just way too freaking expensive. They are $8.99. Granted, I get a discount through Comixology Unlimited. So for me, they're only $8.09. But still, that's a lot of money for one freaking book. That's what, 40 bucks for all five issues? I don't think so. Especially when they finally gather it together and they put it out in a trade, it's probably going to be at the most 30 bucks. So I'm definitely not going to be paying for this. And because I'm not going to be paying for it, I'm not going to tell you to pay for it. I don't, I don't like recommending books. I don't like telling people you should go out and buy this book now if I'm not going to be willing to pony up the cheddar to pick it up myself. But if you have a chance to read it through Hoopla, you need to. You need to read it, especially if you're even, even kind of a Turtles fan. You really enjoy this. You don't have to know anything about their history. I mean, well, okay, that's not true. You have to kind of know that there are four turtles. You got to kind of know who they are. You, you got to kind of know that there was a shredder. I think if you've ever watched any of the cartoons or watched any of the movies, that's really all you need. You don't, you don't have to have been reading all these books. From what I understand, this kind of takes up this, this lives more in the world uh, that was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles back in the days when it was being put out by Mirage, especially the books that Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman did together because obviously they're the ones that had come up with this outline back then. But again, you don't, you don't need to know all the ins and outs of their collective history to, to enjoy this story. So yeah, if you can pick it up for free, I I'd say, I'd say, give it a read. It's pretty fun. I mean, if you don't mind spending nine bucks on a book, then yeah, go out and buy it. But I sure as heck am not going to do that. If you've already read this book and you want to tell me how you felt about it, you can send me an email at feedback at stephenorelse.com. You can find me over on Twitter or Instagram at Stephen or else. I always post about the episodes at both places. You can come to the Facebook page, Facebook, Just Another Fanboy Podcast. I'll post about the episode there. I'm sure you'll find places. You can just go to the website, justanotherfanboy.com. There's an area there to leave comments for each episode. Otherwise, just keep listening. Just enjoy. Tell all your friends. Tell all your friends' friends. Then tell your friends' 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 friends. Get on the Discord and the Twitter and the Instagram and the Facebook and I don't know what else is out there. But just freaking tell people about the show. I'd really appreciate it. But until then, I'm just going to wrap this sucker up. So until then, my name is Steven and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Wear a mask. Stay safe. 
Daddy. Bye bye, Daddy. Good job. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just a Stupid Face. I almost said my other podcast. That's why I did the funny noises. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. That would make me Steven. I don't know why it would make me Steven, but I seem to be the only one doing a podcast called Just Another Fanboy. I I really have no other thing to say. Sometimes it's hard. (laughs) 